0: Hello and welcome to a brand new series of The 42 Roby Show in association with Boost. We're delighted to be coming live from Facebook headquarters here in Dublin today, so thanks a million to Facebook for having us in. Joining us for today's show is former Ireland head coach and good friend of the 42, Eddie O'Sullivan, and we'll be looking ahead to a fascinating 2017 Six Nations. We're going to dive into some of Ireland's recent try scoring trends to find out what they tell us about Schmidt's side and where they need to improve. Uh, With Ireland just a few days away from their Six Nations opener at Murrayfield, we'll also be previewing the challenge that Scotland pose. And Eddie and I will also be previewing and making some predictions for the tournament ahead. Eddie, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Hugely exciting time of the year, always. Uh, There's this perception that the tournament is wide open. Would you go along with that?
1: Not particularly. um, I think it's wide open for three teams. I think it's wide open for England, Ireland and Wales. Uh, We always talk about France um, as, you know, they could bring something. But historically, and I'm talking about the last five years, France have been pretty disastrous in the Six Nations. It's hard to believe that since 2012 they have never finished about fourth. In fact, they were bottom of the pile in 2013. And that trend still exists. So over five years, France have dropped out of the competition, really. So I think now we have three teams who can win it and three teams sad to say, make up the numbers. I mean, I don't think Scotland going to win the championship. I don't think Italy going to win the championship. And I doubt very much on the history of France. will. that's it, their recent history. So it's between three teams. But any of those three teams can do it. A lot depends on how it plays out.
0: Mm. You'd love to see France uh, resurgent under Guinoves.
1: You would. You know, it's better. The more teams that are, can win the tournament, the better. But if France... F- have really fallen off the pace in the last five years. It's not like one year blip and they've come back. It's five consecutive seasons of finished fourth, sixth, fourth, fourth and fifth last year. That's so unfrench in our minds in the Six Nations, but we have to recognise it. and we say that's where it is.
0: Yeah, all eyes here, of course, on, on Joe Schmidt's side, uh, especially after November last year. But we must remember also that the 2016 Six Nations wasn't so good for Ireland. Two wins out of five. A definite missed opportunity in June in, in South Africa. Reflecting that last year, what should Ireland's expectation be ahead of this championship?
1: Well, we're, we're in the tournament, as I said, with the top three, ourselves in, uh, Wales and England. Uh, in the Six Nations, a lot depends on, for Ireland, the year, is it the odd or the even year? If you think about it, the fixture list doesn't change in terms of when you're home, when you're away. It's been like that for years. So this is an odd year. So the odd year gives you England and France and Dublin, which means you've got to win in Wales, Italy and Scotland all doable, where if it's an even year, to go away and win in Paris, and to go away and win in, in Twickenham particularly at the moment, very difficult. So it falls our way this year as potential Grand Slam Championship year. The next thing is, that the, how do the fixtures stack up? In fact, they stack up pretty well for us. We play Scotland away first. Scotland away, a doable. We've only lost twice to Scotland in the last 15 years, I think. So it's like, it's well within our compass to beat Scotland away. Then we've got, uh, Italy away, we can do that. Then we have France and Dublin. So we could find ourselves three matches in with three wins. The pivotal game, I think, for Ireland is in Cardiff. On the Friday night, with the roof closed, very difficult place to get a result. Should we do that, now we're looking at a Grand Slam game against England on the last day of the Championship. I think Josh might take that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a crazy one, in, certainly in Cardiff. Uh, a wild night probably as well on Friday night in Cardiff could be fun. Uh, in terms of, of Ireland actually improving in this year, um, Josh, th- he's, he's tried to dampen expectations a little bit. Every he, coach does, of course, is, of course. Yeah. But last year he went for a top three finish. Now he's going for a top two, so I think he's a little bit more ambitious. He didn't agree with the maybe the suggestion that there was a transition last year, but certainly Ireland not to be in a better place. We were speaking a little bit beforehand. Where do you think Ireland can improve? I think you mentioned their defence. Is that a big area for them to improve this year? It's
1: not so much a big area. I think last Six Nations was a problem. We gave up a lot of tries. Um, we Les Kiss had left after the World Cup. They were they were in transition under defence coach um, Andy Farrell came in, and uh, we felt in the summer he had steadied the ship. You know down in South Africa, even though uh, you know we didn't win the series, we we actually defended well, I thought. But I think again we slipped a bit in the autumn. No. It's harsh because we played Australia and we played New Zealand twice, and we 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 won two of those games, but we coughed up ten tries in three matches against those teams. Uh, you know that's averaging about three tries a game, and we know ourselves. We said this: Australia butchered another couple, so that tally could have gone up to double figures, twelve, 12 tries. It could have cost us the Australian game. We, I think, we're not set exactly on a defence where we need to be up in the autumn. Hopefully between now, the autumn, and now things have tightened up again because if you're averaging two to three tries conceded every game in a championship, particularly against teams like Wales or England and even maybe France, you, you might struggle to win that game.
0: Yeah, I think the, it's a consistency thing almost with, with Ireland. At times they've been defending brilliantly, their technique is really good in the tackle, selection of tackle really good, but then you see them drop off in line speed from time to time or, or just miss a, a, an yeah. edge on that defence. It's, it's just that consistency. Well, traditionally we have been weak in the outside channels, as we found out
1: in the World Cup, as we found out in the Championship, you know, teams have hurt us out wide. I think uh, Andy Farrell tried to address that and, yeah, he did He did get it done. But I still think against the top teams that are, I suppose, are balancing our defence at times and our spacing lets us down. You get away with that against weaker teams because they can't exploit it. But the top teams, you know, one player out of position, maybe one too many on the short side or one too many on the open side, you're going to get hurt and it's just getting that balance under pressure. And of course, if you're winning the collisions, it's easier to find the balance. If you're losing the collisions, it's harder to find the balance. So we do need to maybe tighten up that area of our game. I think I wouldn't be negative about it. I think at this point, there's still a bit to go, but this Six Nations will test our defense
0: and we'll see where we are uh, come uh,
1: Viva Stadium in
0: March. Yeah, absolutely. I think Joe Schmidt's always trying to improve all aspects and he's certainly looking for more tries this year. 36 tries over 12 games last year. We've done a bit of analysis on Ireland's try scoring, and try to map out how and, and where they're scoring the tries from. We're going to bring up the map soon there. It was a really interesting uh, task to do and to see exactly if our kind of judgments of Ireland actually are backed up by the data. Um, in this example, Ireland are playing from right to left on our screen, and we can see that so many of the tries originate in the opposition half, and in particular through the line out. The red circles are our line out of tries here, so 58% of Ireland's tries in 2016. Originated the line out. It's a it's pretty, uh, pretty strong area for them, particularly in this zone here and here, five metres out from the opposition try line. There were actually 44% of Ireland's tries in those areas. It's Where it's coming from,
1: from is, firstly, we're a collision based team. We, when we win collisions, we build huge pressure. Our ball retention is phenomenal. So a lot of those field positions come from teams giving up penalties under pressure. Yeah. And then we pump it in the corner, and we are very, very good. Then once we get in there, or staying in there and not not getting out without taking something, yeah. might be three points, might be five, might be seven. We can get a bit one-dimensional in there, but given our collision-based nature of our game, we're happy to play that game. And our mall has been very efficient as well. Extremely so normal. we are we are very, very strong in the mall. We're very good, strong in our ball retention, so that we can build pressure on teams and. We do score from close in when we get there. We don't leave teams off the hook that much. Yeah,
0: really good technical skills from Ireland close to, to the try-hands as well. We should mention the footwork of the forwards, who aren't the biggest guys around, is, is really outstanding. They latch on each other really well. They close off the corner of that ruck. Connor Murray, who we're going to come back to, is just yeah. is brilliant at organising that. You mentioned there, that, and we, we can see on that map, that Ireland are, are scoring a lot of close-range tries from scrums and, and line-outs, kicking those penalties in. Like is, is, that a, is that a strategy further out the pitch? Are they actually going to, to try and win a penalty to, to get deep or, or does that come into it?
1: Well, what you do in the middle area of the field is you tend to, it's it's a suck it and see scenario. You play across the line and if it's productive, if you're winning collisions, you continue and play and you try and win your way into the other half. But if they're committing numbers to the line, they're leaving the backfield open. Or they're getting off the line, and you, you know, you're not going to play another five phase going over. You then use the, the space in the back and punch it in there. And between Sexton and Murray, we've two very good kicking halfbacks, particularly Murray's contestables. Like the percentage of contestables we take back as a team is, is really very, very high because he kicks it so accurately, the hang time is so good, and we've got guys very good in the air, especially Zebo, who can go up and take a ball off somebody in the air. So all that stuff means that. We can work our way into the opposition half, and some of those turnovers we win are in the air, and we play out of them when we score because yeah. they're like gold dust. If you get a win a ball, you know, 15, 20 meters behind the defensive line, and it's a quick rock, it's very hard for them to recover. So our kicking game is crucial to us, and Murray is a big part of that. And Sexton, knowing when to ping the corners, um, that's very
0: important yeah. for sure. If we bring up our map again, it does like shows the type of that Ireland aren't scoring as well. Uh, we see just one. Kick return try or one try that originated from, from, a, from an opposition kick in field. So that's something for them to work on. We do see a number of, of the blue dots, uh, these are our turnover tries, but as you mentioned, these tries are actually coming from pressurising Ireland's own kicks and forcing the opposition to spill almost instantly uh, as they gather. But in terms of that kick return and those tries from deep, do you think that's down to maybe, say, a personal choice of having Simon Zeebo at fullback who has that creativity, or is it just something that Ireland? aren't attempting to do?
1: Well, I think what we said last autumn is we'd like to see Ireland build into their game more. as where they take a set piece, 40 metres out, scrum or line out, and then they play through eight, 10, 12 phases and deconstruct the defence and score a try. We tend not to do that. We tend to hold on to the ball brilliantly, play through lots of phases, and usually result in a penalty. And from the penalty, we get that key field position where we punish a team. We tend not to punish teams from 40 metres out. Now It must be said as well, occasionally, we can run a starter play or a set play from a scrummer line and we break the opposition open. And you're looking to do that on those starter plays. And if you do break the line, you're probably going to score. But in terms of playing through multiple phases, where we work another team literally from their 10-meter line back to their goal line, it doesn't happen very often unless we're winning collision after collision after collision, Mm -hmm. which we have struggled to do against the bigger physical teams like England, like New Zealand, Maybe to Australia to an extent, and possibly
0: even Wales when they're up for it. Uh, I do, yeah. Uh, at the same time, I do think we've seen Ireland maybe try to slightly develop their game in terms of playing with a little bit more width out uh, further at the pitch rather. And we're seeing forwards. Ironically, the that's and...
1: come in our own half, yeah, where we have used it as an extra strategy. Because the last last autumn we also talked about on the show about Ireland going into a wide wide attack inside our own half, but then kicking out of it, yeah. uh, which. You know, you wonder what they're committed to it, you know. <laughs> they didn't really test. Where see, Connock, will play wide, wide, you know, for five minutes inside the 122 yeah. before they'll think of kicking it.
0: We're probably not in that space yet. OK, there, just a, one more thing on, on the try analysis was the fact that there were slightly more offloads in, in this kind of 2016 period we did. We had done it before, before the 2015 World Cup. I think there were 13 offloads uh, in, in, with far more tries. So maybe there's a slight um, increased allowance for players or, or emphasis for actually Offloading out the well, tackle.
1: the offload is often based on the fact is the type of tackle. If, if someone, if a defender allows your hands free, you've got to look for an offload. You know, so if the opposition are getting off the line and they're, they're they're tagging the football, there's no offload on. So you'd like to think that if somebody goes into contact, their hands come
0: free, they will look to offload, and maybe there's been a little more latitude in that area as well. We mm. even had Finney Beale setting up a try. Uh, you mentioned Conor Murray earlier on. I want to just come back to him. Five tries. He was Ireland's top try scorer last year. Three direct assists. And countless invaluable contributions towards those tries from close range. He's so good at bossing the defence. Uh, he comes in as a defender into the line in wide channels and makes really good contact. Uh, he sweeps in behind. He almost does two rows at once. You mentioned the. Well, the you yeah, effectively as
1: well. describing probably the best scrum half in the world at the moment, I think, to be fair to him. In that, and there's some very good scrum halves around, but he takes so many boxes really well. If you look at his game, his pass, strong pass, excellent kicking game in terms of ball carrying, he's a nightmare for the for the fringe defenders, because like we saw in New Zealand, took their eye off in Chicago for a second, and he was under the sticks, you know. He scored four tries like that. Yeah, he, he does that all the time, and he's so physical as well that from five metres out, if he gets a soft shoulder, he's probably going to get the ball on the ground. So, it's very hard to defend him. So, he keeps that, def- that fringe defence very, very tight, which means that there's space for other people out wide. Yeah. So, that effect alone. Then, defensively, again, he's such a He's such a big guy, and he's so physical, and he works so hard. Like He does tick all the boxes. So he's absolutely crucial to Ireland
0: that he's healthy and playing every week. Yeah, that's what I'm going to ask you. He, he was very unhappy with, with Glasgow's treatment of him in the Champions Cup earlier this month, perceived that they were targeting a standing leg. Joe Schmidt has since come out and, and supported him and, and backed that up. I guess a, a two-layered question, do you see that happening in the Six Nations? And also, have you ever been in that situation as a coach where one guy is just unbelievably important to your team?
1: Well, I have, yeah. run Logar for a long time at <laughs> number ten, uh, who was very important. I remember back uh, against Scotland, uh, might have been 2007, like they really went after him. Every chance they got, he got hit, and uh, fellas coming in late and just, you know, just trying to irritate him. So pa- players get targeted, and you know, Murray will be targeted in a sense that they want to put him off his game. Now, I think when we say targeted, people automatically think of a player being taken out and injured. Yeah. I don't think. You can say that. And I saw in the Glasgow game, Glasgow did target Conor Murray. They targeted him to put pressure on his kick. It wasn't like um, a tackle. It was a block down. Guys are trying to block down the kick. No, the difference is- On the is, side of the kick. Yeah. And this, this has never been talked about before, but there's nothing in the law that says you can't block a guy down from his blind side, you know? But there is a danger that you catch his support leg. If you block a guy down on his kicking foot, you know, that's open season. Plus the fact if you get kicked in the face your troubles, that goes to the territory. But blocking a guy down on his support leg is dangerous. Now, it's never been an issue before. I think Josh Schmidt is right to raise it. I think referees will be more aware of it. And I think any sort of nonsense in the championship will be stamped out. And they have to protect the guy. But that doesn't mean they won't put pressure on him. They won't come and there will be guys
0: diving on his boot when he's trying to kick those uh, contestables. But that's fair game. Yeah, he seems to be mentally strong enough to handle it anyway. I think he m- m- may have lashed out just once in that Glasgow or, or just restrained himself enough. Well, I think he felt at risk and I yeah. understood he was yeah. getting frustrated but you know that's what Glasgow were looking for. Exactly, I think refere- referees will be looking out for it. In terms of the, the threat Scotland posed uh, this, this week, uh, first of all I want to ask you about your, your own experiences of, of coaching against them. I think you had a few uh, interesting run-ins with Scotland and them yeah. maybe spying on you over the years. W- what was that when rivalry I mean, like? The rivalry was pretty intense. We we went for years without beating Scotland.
1: I mean, I think um, it's so ridiculous that we had only won like two games in like 18 years against Scotland. We had the, had, had the hex on us for years. And I remember like endless trips to Murrayfield would just get beaten out the gate. And probably 2001, I was assistant coach. It was the Autumn International because of the foot and mouth. We got butchered up there again. And it was just relentless. We couldn't get a result there. We used to get them at home sometimes. But often not, they'd beat us in Dublin. Uh, but they they had a, they had a, they were very smart about how they played. They had a very good team. They, 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 they were happy to, if they got information on you, they would use it. I remember back in that game in 2001, I'm pretty convinced they had a lot of information on us. I mean they seemed to know exactly what we were going to do on the backs and our starter players before we even did them. You know, like they right. knew the triggers. But um, yeah, for that reason, Scotland were were a very hard team to beat. I remember going there in um, 2003. We'd beaten them in 2002 in Dublin. But for me, it was a watershed moment in the development of that team, going to Murrayfield to win. Because I think the last time Ireland had won at Murrayfield, Fergus Slattery was in the back row. So wow. that was it was like 16 years of like eight trips to Murrayfield getting beaten out the gate. And I remember the whole psyche of going there was we went a day early and we, we stayed at the Balmoral where, where Ireland obviously right in the middle of town and instead of staying in the hotel I told you to go out and get the atmosphere of the city. It's a great city and so there's, there's a build-up like Dublin to a, a Six Nations game. You can feel the atmosphere and people giving you a bit of bit of a bit of joy on, on the street. And um it's funny, the the there was a horrendous frost and all the pitches are frozen. So we had to train in a gym, which is ironic, but I remember we, we put a little, we did a little trick which kind of, I think, worked. We we had an old set of lino calls, uh, Noel, Dunn, Noel Dunn was the, the, the lino coach, the forwards coach, and we left them on top of a, a bin in the gym and we left. And we just said, what will happen? These are all lino calls. We we're, weren't using them anymore. And we came back the next day to another session and we said to the caretaker, did you find uh, anything there? And he said, oh, no, nothing at all, nothing. <laughs> so we knew they'd got them. and. Basically, we didn't lose a line-out the, the <laughs> next day because we watched them there, they had no idea what was going on. They were going on the old calls and they, they couldn't get in there eventually, they gave up. But that game, we won that game comfortably. It was the first time we'd won there, I think, in 18 years. And That's it was a watershed moment in terms of developing the team. But we, we've since that game in the Championship, we've only lost there once since. Yeah, there's so an that,
0: expectation now. Even yeah. now, um, with Scotland, slightly resurgent under Verne Cotter. Again, they only had two out of five wins in the Six Nations, but... But a good November, they won two t- tests in Japan in June. A good November where they beat Argentina and Georgia. Probably should have beaten the they Wallabies. They should have
1: beaten the Wallabies for the second time, you know,
0: yeah. taking the World Cup exit they had. Are,
1: are they a very real threat? I think they're tighter under Cotter. They're, they're more aware of what they're doing. They're, they're uh, I suppose, a more cohesive outfit. But they're still the same players that, you know, we, we have success over week in, week out, you know, um in, in the Pro twelve by and large, you know, Glasgow have cut a track. But I think they're not a team we should be afraid of. No. You must in any Six Nation game, you must go into a game respecting the opposition. If you go in half baked you'll get caught. Like in anywhere, you get caught in Rome. But knowing the way George Schmidt prepares meticulously his headset, the players' headset, I can't see us going up there and, and fumbling the ball. You know, I just think we're going to be in the right space, and I think we're a better rugby team than Scotland. So if we play to par, we'll win the game, and it'll be another win over Scotland. I don't see it going wrong for us unless we beat ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Josh you're made always has a team well prepared. One of the areas we want to look at was Scotland's kick return. Stuart Hogg, obviously an outstanding fullback, and he scored a brilliant try against Ireland last year on kick return after... Uh, Constructed by Ireland, actually. Yeah, essentially. We're, we're just gonna run through the scenario here on screen. So basically, Conor Murray has, has kicked a long box kick, a rare, maybe overcooked box kick from Conor Murray. Uh, Stuart Hogg is able to claim it with quite a bit of time on the ball. We have not circled just here. Um, and he's looking up, he's scanning for an opportunity in front of him. What does he see? It's pretty much like a gold pot for a fullback. One, two, and three. Ireland's front row. Jack McGrath, Mike Ross, who's obviously not playing in Tike for Ireland, is quite mobile, we have to say. But they're, they're in front of him, um, and he's got that clear opportunity to try and create a one-on-one. There's also a brilliant line from, from Tommy Seymour who attracts Rory Best. He pulls here. Rory Best yeah. out. So we have set that scenario up on our yeah. table here. Um, just so you can run through, maybe, what, how will Schmidt have reviewed that incident, and, and how will he tell his tr- side to, to avoid that? maybe? The
1: That's interesting something. thing about this is this looked like a setup exit strategy, which is a bit worrying, because yeah. this originated... Here on this side of the field, a set piece here, yeah, and we attacked into the outside channels. When you attack into the outside channels, the only players that can source the rocks are the backs, okay, all right, and the, the back row. So that means your front row and your second row are the guys left in the middle here, and this is why you had three front rows here. Now you jar a pain here, but your three front rows, which so is your, your front row, kick chase, front line, kick chase, and that's catastrophic because what happened here is you said Tommy Seymour ran a line here, he turned out Rory Best, and Hogg just had a field that went through and scored. It's an easy one. Very easy one. He was marking prop. So Ireland set that up for Scotland. Now, what Ireland needed to do was, as you should, I think, for for exit strategies, is it's okay to go wide into those channels, but you must recycle your backs into the middle of the field so that when the ball is kicked, it's backs chasing against backs. So when when, uh, Hogg looks up, he's faced with three or four Irish backs and not three Irish front rows. Okay. And that's a much better situation. And it could have been solved by, by these forwards carrying the ball back into the space here before Murray kicked it. Take another phase? And play another phase or two. It doesn't okay. matter. You're not going okay. anywhere in a hurry if you're going to exit by kick and let the backs recycle in here. So now we have backs against backs,
0: and there's feet. no problem. Yeah. Well, there's still a problem, you have a tackle, but it's a much easier tackle. <laughs> yeah, he's still a tough guy to defend, and I think that competition in the air, actually making a tackle as Stuart Hogg gathers the ball is key. Well, if that ball was on Hogg, he would have been got man and ball, it would have been a rock, and
1: you know, you could have rebuilt. But the fact that the kick went long, he had time to catch it, he'd open countryside. So you could say maybe that was the plan, but Murray's kick was too far. But there's always a risk with an with an exit kick that it's not exactly on the money. You know, mm. it's a hard thing to do all the time. So I, I think they need they could have reduced the risk of that what happened by making the forwards play another couple of phases, recycle the backs onto their feet. When the ball is kicked, it's backs chasing in the front line. Much easier solution.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how Scotland select their team actually. Uh, there's guys like Hugh Jones who has come through in November, a really exciting outside centre, but he hasn't had game time because he's actually over with the stormers and Western Province, South Africa. Interesting to see if he plays a role in this. Um, but in terms of that overall team that they have, they have the Gray Brothers and some other strong individuals. What are the big threats they pose, apart from that kick return game?
1: I think their ball retention is very good. And they've, they've, they're holding onto the ball into the high 90s in terms of percentile. They're quite a physical team. Um, and they're, they're playing a rel- relatively low-risk game of rugby. So you know they can try and wear you down. So if if you defend sloppily or you get sloppy in the contact, you give away penalties. But they are capable of holding onto the ball and building pressure. It's nothing too spectacular. It's nothing off the charts, but it's efficient. And Cotter, in fairness, has probably tightened up the ship a lot. Defensively as well, they seem to be working better. you know. But they're still liable, I think, if you can win collisions against them to struggle like any team does. I mean, this is, not, this is a good Scotland team. Mm-hmm. It's not a great Scotland team. And Scotland haven't had a great team for a long time. But these are guys, I think, if we fall off 10% in Murrayfield, we will
0: get caught. But if we
1: play it to par, I can't see them beating us.
0: Yeah. One of the other things I think Joe Schmidt, might have been looking at this week, we haven't mentioned Johnny Sexton, actually. Ireland will hope he, he's going to play. I think he's almost underrated at this stage. He's, he's, he makes such a difference to Ireland. It's incredible. And people talk about Paddy Jackson's development. Absolutely true, but with Johnny Sexton on the pitch, you've got a different proposition. We want to just look at that kicking game quickly because Ireland scored a try with a, with a nice attacking kick, one of those turnover tries we mentioned earlier on. Here's a scenario. Um, we've had Johnny, Six and J- Johnny Sexton rather, just kick the ball. He's kind of dropping into the backfield just here. Uh, the ball's just here in the air. And you've got uh, Tommy Seymour retreating and Stuart Hogg coming forward. They actually end up colliding as they both go for the ball, and Keith Earls is able to pick it up uh, and run the try in. What was really interesting was that Scotland also conceded a, a very similar try against Argentina in November. So um, it seems to be a little bit of a trend uh, for them. What will Ireland be looking at in terms of that backfield? Well, and that, picking out that, that, opportunity? That,
1: that problem started because, you know, with Ireland building pressure as they do across that line, Seymour got pulled up into the line. Now Seymour should really be trying to play back as much as he can. So you've a back three. And it's a pendulum. It depends. I mean, Seymour may have to come up times and then the fullback comes across. But that pendulum has to work together. It looks like there Seymour got pulled up. There was too much green space in behind him. Sexton saw it as he does. Put the dink in. Seymour panics then, comes chasing back and hog. It's a, it's a ball between the two of them. No. Ever since you play School's Rugby, the fullback, that's the fullback's ball. But for some reason, Seymour decided he would get to it at a collision. And it's happened before. So their co- cohesion in the back three might mightn't be what it should be. But I would say you can't depend on those to win the game for you. But you could build pressure in those areas. Having said that, you think Carter would look at that and say, you know, we've got to f- figure this out. It's we got hurt again. So you got to assume coaches put fixes in as well on the opposition side. So it's a small area. But with someone like Sexton on the field, he will exploit that. And But the problem is for, for Seymour is that with Ireland building that pressure across the line, sometimes wingers have to overcommit. And that opens that space in behind. And that's where that kick becomes so... So uh, valuable. Yeah, I guess
0: we have to hope that Johnny Saxon is fit. Just quickly, what do you expect Joe to select in terms of his starting fifteen this week? I think the, probably there's no major surprises. I think the front
1: row will be uh, McGrath, um, Furlong, and I suppose Best for captain. Yeah. I think the second row will be Donnacha Ryan and he's in um, an outstanding form. Uh, absolutely, and and Devin Toner. The back row, if everyone's fit, I think will be O'Brien. It will be Stander and it will be Heaslip. Mm. Uh, I think uh, O'Mahony makes the bench. I think Henderson makes the bench as a second row. Um, the only downside to that back row is you don't have an out and out line-out jumper uh, in he slip, you know, or our standard. Like that's where yeah. O'Mahony gives you. O'Mahony is a is a, is a genuine liner option at the defensively tail. as well. defensively as well. So they probably. Run the risk a little bit at the line, or they've been under a little bit of pressure to get guys free. You can still throw to Heastle, you can still throw to standard, but someone like O'Mahony is so quick along the ground, so good in the air, it makes life a lot easier for Rory Best with that option. That's the only downside to that. Um, but I think I still think he'll go with that collision-based back row, who will we'll do a lot of damage with the ball in hand. The halfbacks, uh, I think Ringrose in the centre with Henshaw. Back three is a tricky one. You know, where mm-hmm. does he go? There's a few options here. Um, you know, I suppose. Uh, Rob Kearney, you know, paid back in spades in Chicago. He was he was put on the pressure, he delivered. I think Zebo has to be in, and I think uh, Trimble has to be in, based yeah. on... So,
0: Keith that's Earl's the back three. Keith Earls unlucky to miss out. There, absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely. Keith Earls unlucky if to miss out. Case, yeah. But I think as well, then, on the bench, maybe, he goes with... Uh, he goes possibly with Keith Earls, and possibly also he may go with, with uh, Tierno Halloran, you know, who can play in the wing and full-back. But... Uh, I'd be surprised if it breaks outside those. Like you're talking about
0: a player here or a player there, but it's a fairly settled selection on the face of it. It's a pretty strong team, so Ireland will have high high expectations. Their supporters will have high expectations. In terms of the actual final table, we said we'd do some predictions for it. How do you see that that ending up? Who's going to win and who's going to be right in there in the mix? I think I still hold that it's between three
1: teams. Uh, The pivotal games though are, I suppose, England-Wales. Wales, Ireland, Ireland, England. De- de- depends on those games. Break. I think everybody would beat everybody probably. I don't see a Grand Slam per se, unless Ireland win in Cardiff. I think that's Ireland's biggest one. Uh, England are a little bit shaky on the basis that they've got some injury issues. They've got four or five key players that I think, you know, could make life difficult from them. And if they suffer more injuries as the tournament progresses, they might roll into Dublin not firing all cylinders. Mm. So. But having said that, I still think that we could, we could have a situation where it would be one
0: on points difference with England losing one game,
1: Ireland losing one game and Wales losing one game.
0: Yeah, I think my predictive table, heading on the top, I've already taken some abuse on Twitter over that, but uh, I'll apologise to the nation if I'm, if I'm proven wrong. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take some questions from uh, a few of our readers and a few people watching on. Um, Rory O'D says, with the introduction of the bonus point system, should Joe Schmidt pick more attacking-minded players? Would you go along with that? No. I think he's got to pick his best team. Um, The bonus point thing is interesting.
1: I think it does change the dynamics of the Championship. Particularly if Wales, say, get a bonus point in Italy. Then everybody feels when they're playing Wales, you've got to get a bonus point, you know? Or in Italy, you've got to get a bonus point. So that one team, like you feel you've got to pick bonus points off them because other teams have. And that might change the headset in games a little bit. But generally, I don't think it changes selections. I think what teams will do with the bonus point, and I don't think there will be too many of them, to be honest with you, that they will, in terms of 4-try bonus points, that they will go into a game and they will try and get the game put to bed, if they can, with 20 minutes to go and see, now do we need one or two more tries for a bonus and then go after it. Yeah. I think that's where the headset changes. That, that's what I still think it's, it was a missed opportunity for the po- for bonus point. I think the French bonus point system is a better system, where, I'm not so worried about the losing bonus point, they have 5 points, 7, who cares. It's the winning bonus point is that in France you've got to score three tries more than the opposition. Yeah. That to me is better because if you get four tries in the bag, as we've seen in Europe, teams shut down and just protect the four-try bonus point. Yeah. Whereas if you've, four, if, you've, if you've three scored and the other team has none, they score one at the end, they take it away from you and you've got to keep playing. But anyway, it is what it is.
0: Uh, yeah. It's been decided. But I, I was thinking it an changing. Dynamics. Yeah, we saw a couple of, even Grenoble last weekend, I saw they, they conceded just at the end and, and they were denied a winning bonus point, really yeah. unfortunate. I, th- I think that it may develop. We'll, we'll see how it goes in the first yeah. season, but I think there's an open-mindedness to develop. Rory, thanks so much for, for the question there. Another question from Paul Teague. He says, with injuries playing a big part in the tournament, do Ireland have the cover to win a title? That probably refers to, to Conor Murray a little bit. Do you think their depth is good enough Ireland? I think the depth is good in Every row, except
1: probably the halfbacks, I think certainly um, a problem. an injury to Sexton could be a problem. I know I'm not knocking Jackson. It's just that I think he, Sexton just manages the game very well. Uh, Jackson's coming over, and also team that's not going well. Uh, he may struggle a bit to, to really hit the ground running. I think Murray is going to be very hard to replace Van Amsterdam. So the halfbacks for me are pivotal. If we keep both of us healthy, I think
0: that's could be the key to it. At the end of the day, yeah, there's a bit of depth there for us. Paul, thanks so much for the question. Eddie, thanks so much for joining us. Really exciting weekend ahead, first weekend of the Championship. Thanks to everyone for tuning in and thanks also to Facebook for having us in today. We'll be back next week to review Ireland's first game of the Championship. Cheers.